It's November. Jesus is on the cross again and will celebrate his birth in a month. How did we get here? We've reached the point in the circle of the church year where the end meets the beginning. Today, known as Christ the King Sunday, is the last Sunday in the season of Pentecost, and next Sunday is the beginning of our church year, the first Sunday of Advent. How could our liturgical timekeeping possibly matter, one might ask? Well, as we say in godly play, a long time ago, the church decided to tie the end and the beginning together, so that for every beginning, there's an ending, and for every ending, there's a new beginning. Given that all of us will face our end one day, there's at least some relevance here. What's more, we learned something critical about Jesus today. What was true about him at the beginning of his life is still true here in today's gospel as he breathes his last. How many of us can say that about ourselves? That our lives have that kind of coherence and integrity? In Jesus' case, he didn't look like a king when he was born in a stable. And he doesn't look like one now as he dies. No wonder so many of us might want to throw off this image of Christ as king altogether. Some would prefer less gender-specific language. For most, though, that's not the real problem. For many Americans, kings are not symbols of unity and calm who lead by example. They are either fairy tale figures or real-life despots. They're ceremonial figureheads at best. Objects of gossip, or perhaps simply the world's most conspicuous consumers. We don't want to associate Jesus with any of that. So perhaps this is a relic of an image that has outlived its usefulness. Except that Christ the King Sunday is not some ancient celebration. It's less than a century old. In 1925, in the aftermath of the First World War, Pope Pius XI established this day as a reminder that our ultimate loyalty as Christians is to Christ alone. And it's this loyalty that shapes and checks all our other commitments to family, to country, to the rest of creation. Or in other words, God and country are not the same thing, and both are distorted when we pretend that they are. The Episcopal Church saw the wisdom in this and adopted the practice as well. That doesn't make it any easier to explain, though. Even by Old Testament standards, Jesus does not look like a king. One of the most popular images for kings in the ancient Near East was that of a shepherd. Shepherds feed, they guide, they care for the sick of their flock, so on these fronts, Jesus scores some points. 
but they also protect their flock from predators. They save their sheep from danger. They typically aren't led to the slaughter themselves. Even so, at least one person in today's gospel recognizes Jesus as his king. One of the criminals hanging next to him asks Jesus to remember him when he comes into his kingdom. And if he has a kingdom, then he must be a king. What could this criminal have possibly seen or heard that led him to this conclusion? Well, anyone within earshot of Jesus would have heard him talking about the kingdom of God. And while he was not threatening Caesar directly, this political image was not an accident either. Consider the contrast. In the kingdom, Jesus proclaimed the strong do not prove their strength by crushing or silencing the weak. And power is not established or maintained by violence. Human value is inherent, not earned, and there is nothing that anyone can do to take it away. And Jesus didn't just talk this talk. He walked the walk. He practiced forgiveness and compassion in his everyday life. It affected where he traveled, where he stayed, whom he thought of as his family. He would eat with anyone who wanted to share a table with him. He would talk with anyone who sought him out. He came close to the people that everyone else avoided. He welcomed them. He embraced them without judgment or fear. And when he needed to protect the vulnerable from danger, he could draw a line, but he did so without sacrificing anybody's dignity. And by being consistent with what we might call the low-hanging fruit, he had a kind of muscle memory beyond language that he could draw from when it counted as he faced an impossibly difficult end. And if that's what the kingdom of God looks like in real life, then Jesus acts exactly like we would expect a king to act. He doesn't need to prove his strength with force or retaliation. He can recognize the moral trauma of the soldiers and the leaders and all those caught up in this system of state execution long before we had words to name it and create a space where forgiveness is at least possible. He can extend compassion in his final breaths and promise a dying criminal that regardless of his guilt or innocence today, you'll be with me in paradise. And with these words, we come full circle. The end meets the beginning. Emmanuel, God with us, he keeps his word. Wherever I'm going, Jesus says to the most socially powerless person imaginable, I'm taking you with me. At Jesus' birth, we're told that this is going to be good news for all people. And today we see that it is. 
What's more, we see what coherence and integrity look like. In the silence that follows, in the season of Advent that follows, I invite you to consider the kingdom you live in, the kingdom you want to live in, and who is worth following to get there. How might clarifying our ultimate loyalty bring coherence and integrity to the rest of our lives? When we allow forgiveness and compassion to shape where we travel, where we stay, whom we consider family, who's welcome at our table, who's worthy of our time. When we practice coming close to other people without judgment, fear, we too develop a kind of muscle memory that we can draw from when it counts. So that when the stakes are higher and the vulnerable among us are threatened, or even as we face our own end, we know who we are And even when it's hard, we know what we need to do. We can have the strength and the power that only come through practice. In the name of the one who gives us a king worth following and a kingdom worth living for. Amen.